And welcome in, everybody, to the Wealth Guardians Radio Show. My name's Doug Ray, and with me, of course, is uh, Mr. Bryce Payne. Hey, Bryce. Good morning, Doug. How you doing? We're great today. How about you? Looking forward to the show. I'm doing well. Hey, I uh, I think I beat you to the first vaccine. Yes, you did. I got my first one, the Pfizer, and yeah. uh, absolutely zero side effects so far. Good. Um, Not even a sore arm. You know, no more so than a normal shot. No, yeah. nothing like a residual or anything. So uh, went out actually and played a uh, uh, at a DJ Heckyaz putter party at uh, Truist Stadium where the Dash play. Uh, they had a uh, disc golf little event going on there. Drove directly from getting the shot over to there. And that was actually more traumatic on my hand from the surgery than it was on my arm from the shot. Yeah. So, yeah, good uh, good weekend for it last weekend. And it looks like we're going to have a, a good weekend uh here this weekend as well. What do you got plans for? This weekend, probably do some yard work, cleaning up, um, hoping to find uh, an appointment to get my shot. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it's down in South Carolina. They just they're not readily available. Well, you know they will be soon enough. And you got any golf on this weekend? You know we might try to hit the ball a little bit. I kind of got an itch to do that. Oh, I was meaning watch it, but you're actually going to go out and play. Yeah, I'm going to try. All right, very yeah, nice. Absolutely. Very good. You live on the course there. Is that the course you're going to play out as your own course? Probably not. No? Do something different. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, Doug, let's, uh, don't we normally do a shout-out to somebody around yeah, this time? Yeah, I think before? we do. There's some special folks out there we need to say thank you to. Is that people in uniform? Yeah, I think okay. so. Okay, people in uniform. So if you put on a uniform military uniform a uh, first responder type of uniform doug and i want to give you a sincere thank you because we know that your job is not easy it's oftentimes uh, more often than not thankless and so we want to thank you for doing what you do we know that society wouldn't exist without you and your families as well because they make a sacrifice in there as well they don't see you as often as they would like to and uh, so we give a shout out here every morning uh, every time we do this radio show to you guys and doug thank you for your service in the navy as well so, so long ago forgot about it yeah well I'm, <laughs> your pictures are around the office uh, reminds me anyway uh doug we uh last time we did this show or a couple times ago that we did this show we left out a couple of key um listener questions yeah let's get to that so this is not going to be we're not we're doing this unscheduled a little bit here because uh after we looked at we can never get to all the questions that we want to get to but uh shanna in boonville and Derek in statesville asked two separate questions that you and i looked at and said you know we really do we can't ignore these questions because they're common and they're essential so uh in our retirement planning uh, these are the types of topics that we uh look to get to the bottom of when we're doing retirement planning for folks so let's uh tackle a couple of uh additional listener questions here and uh, the first one shannon in boonville says doug and bryce some people in the media say that I should invest primarily in mutual funds, and they say I can expect annual returns north of 10%. I don't even need a return that big at my age, but I'm intrigued by the idea of it. Where do I find these funds? Mutual funds, Doug. Mm. Shanna in Boonville is asking about mutual funds, and we have, people, we have some opinions on mutual funds. People in the media. Um, in fact, I heard it uh, last night driving home. It has the same initials I do, DR. Uh, yeah. Okay. 10%, folks, that number is a bit of a myth. You know, everybody says, okay, the stock market's uh, up uh, 10% on average every year. Well, that's true. Or nine. but Or nine. Yeah. But that's over 75 years. Right. Okay. So there are times when it's, uh, for, you know, for a whole decade, it could be flat to down. Now, Mutual funds. There's hardly any mutual funds that can average 10% because most mutual funds have a lot of fees in them. 
And uh, we're not talking about the fees you read in the prospectus, because those are nothing to compared to what the hidden costs are. And we have the software that we actually can dig out all those hidden costs in your mutual funds. And no, I'm, we're not big believers. We don't use mutual funds here. We'd much rather use individual stocks and ETFs, mm -hmm. much cheaper, and you can accomplish the same goals with them. In fact, working with a, a client down in the Charlotte office last week, he had a variable annuity with, mm. with mutual funds or the sub accounts in I them. did the reports on this one. Bryce, you dug out all the fees on this thing, and it was, what, 7.7%? 7 7 7.5, .7 something around there. Per yeah. year. Which a, means that you have to have a return on that of 7.6 before you see anything for yourself. Exactly. So a variable annuity, we don't use those either because they are chock full of fees. Not only do you have fees in the sub account but you got fees on the annuity variable annuity side as well so uh, he was quite stunned to see he was paying twelve thousand dollars a year in fees <laughs> yeah and so there are ways um shanna to be properly invested properly divested in your portfolio without using mutual funds doug only talked about the fund fee and expense ratio which is in the prospectus there is also if you're having if you're paying some advisor to pick out these right. uh, these mutual funds for you there's going to be an advisor fee on top of that any mutual fund has trading going on in it if it's worth its salt well the more trading that is going on in a mutual fund the more that costs you those it costs the mutual fund manager money to make the trades and they're going to pass that on to you so yes if the if the market has averaged nine and a half ten percent over the last 75 years that is a gross return that means that there's no fees that they're extracting from that. So once you invest through mutual funds and they take out those fees, you're not looking at anywhere close to 10%. So in short, Shanna, I think to answer your question, do not count on 10%. We uh, try to estimate in just a simple 5%. And if we can get that, which our types of portfolios have traditionally uh, historically gotten that, if we can plan around that number, then if we get anywhere close to 10 or 9 or 8 or 7%, then that's just uh, sugar on top. All Absolutely. right. But good question, Shanna. And Doug and I would welcome the opportunity to sit down with you and take a look at your current portfolio and uh, take a look at our recommendations and do a side-by-side -side comparison of you and see how much we can improve on your retirement planning for you. So thank you for the question. That was a great question. Very common question and, and misunderstanding about mutual funds and how they're uh, the fees that are associated Bryce, with them. Before we get to the next question, I want to remind everybody this Tuesday night, uh, March 30th, is the last of our taxes in retirement uh, workshops. It's at 630 uh, in the Broyhill uh, in Clemens. Please come. Uh, thank the folks that came uh, last Thursday. Uh, got a lot out of it. We're going to talk about various taxation of retirement plans. We'll also talk about Biden's planned tax increases. You're hearing a lot about that in the in the media now. <laughs> That's coming, and it's going to hit almost everybody. Don't believe this $400,000 myth. Taxes uh, filter down, unfortunately. And this is, Doug, taxes is one of the key elements of retirement planning. If you, I've said this before, but if you think you have a retirement plan and your advisor did not discuss taxes with you and how to uh, structure your accounts, to structure your investments to alleviate as many taxes as possible, how to structure your charitable giving to alleviate as many taxes as possible, then you don't really have a retirement plan. And that is one of the key components that we go over with our clients in retirement planning is how do we pay as little to Uncle Sam as we're obligated 
obligated to. So uh, good point. And we did have a good turnout on Thursday. So we're looking for another one here on Tuesday. Yep. So folks, uh, if you would like to uh, sign up for that, it's 336-391-3409. That's 336-391-3409. If you're not much of a phone person and you'd rather uh, register with us uh, over the interweb, then you can go to thewealthguardians.com and go to our events tab and click on live events and uh, schedule it they're through there. But uh, Joy and Lynn, don't bite. Give us a call. For our second question, Derek in Statesville asks, Doug and Bryce, my aunt passed away recently, and we're sorry to hear that, Derek, and left her house and some cash to me. I've never had a desire to buy rental property before, but now I'm considering keeping the house as a rental property now that this opportunity has fallen in my lap. Is that wise, or would I be better off to sell it and invest the proceeds? Doug, you have done this in the past. You have been a landlord in the past. Yeah, I have. And, uh, there's pros it, and cons to it. There's a lot of pros and cons to it, uh, you know. Long-term rentals uh, are are good for a lot of people. We've got a client in the Charlotte office that he retired from the school system years ago and started buying rental properties, and now he and his wife manage 80. They do it themselves. And they manage it themselves. They, they manage it themselves. That's a full-time job. Oh, it, her phone rings constantly. So, you know, I, I would say don't shy away from it. If you think you have an itch to do it, try it out. Uh, see how it goes for you. It can be very profitable, but at the same time, you're going to get frustrated. I got really frustrated with the the properties I had, but uh, that's a whole different story, and I can make a whole show on on the on some of those landlord uh, stories. Mm, yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's up to you. G- give it a shot if you like to. It's very profitable. There's some good tax write offs uh, that come mm, with it, but true. then you got to remember. The depreciation recaptures when you go to sell that property in the future. Okay. So. All right. It does take some time, as you said. Like a lot of other investments that might yield you more or less the same amount might not require the stress and the time and the energy that being a landlord requires. But out of all the investments that somebody comes to us with, uh, that is one that people tend to be the most attached to is their rental properties. They mm-hmm. they do like them. They uh, they understand their work. But, uh, you know, Derek, you might just have to try it for a while. Hold on to the property and see if you enjoy being a landlord. See if it's um, uh, more enjoyable than stressful. And if so, and you're yielding, you get a good yield out of it, then stick with it. And that's all, uh, that's all there is to it. Um, trivia time. Trivia time. Yeah. We're about to go to break folks and as you know if you've heard the show before we ask a trivia question so we're going to keep it on topic here last week our trivia question focused on the tax revenue act of 1916 and we did stump doug with that one and that is the that's which uh, what finally made income tax constitutional this week's question is doug when did the irs start withholding our income taxes from our paychecks it's a completely different question when did the irs start withholding our income taxes from our paychecks Mm, good question all right so folks stick around through the break and we'll get that answer for you on the other side hold on and welcome back to the wealth guardians radio show folks thank you for sticking around through the break for us i hope you are having a great weekend here so far this is bryce Payne in the producer's chair doug is right here in the main chair and uh you know if you're out there listening to us and I think I, I think you are because I can hear you breathing. And you are five to seven years from retirement, and you want to confirm that you're making the best decisions—not just suitable decisions, but the best decisions for retirement. Well, I've got good news for you. We offer a no-cost, no-obligation second review so that you can learn how to retire the job while keeping the paycheck. It's a novel concept there. All you got to do 
To get that second review with us is to pick up the phone and call 336-391-3409. That's 336-391-3409. You can also visit us at thewealthguardians.com. We'd look forward to sitting down with you and seeing what assistance and services we can provide in helping you with your retirement planning. Now, before we get to the trivia question, as you know, we asked a trivia question on the uh, front side of the break, and now on the back side, we're going to give you the answer to that. But before I do that, I want to uh, touch base on our weekly website highlight. We do have that website, thewealthguardians.com, and every week we want to bring your attention to a particular uh, aspect of that website. So I want you to go to that website, wealthguardians.com, and scroll over the About tab. So when you scroll over the About tab, there's a little drop-down menu, and I want you to click on Our Services. This is a really good consolidated idea of what it is we do and why what we do is important to you in retirement planning. You scroll down there, and you can read about our risk analysis strategies, our social security optimization strategies, our tax mitigation strategies, and our insurance planning strategies. Now, if you have an advisor out there, maybe he has talked to you about insurance planning, or maybe he's talked to you about risk analysis. But I want you to ask yourself, does, have I had a sit down with an advisor who has talked to me in depth about risk analysis, social security optimization, tax mitigation, and insurance planning? And if you're thinking to yourself, no, can't say that I ever have, and you're getting close to retirement, then that should be your key to pick up the phone again and call us, 336-391-3409, because all of those subjects are integral parts and components of retirement planning. So do pick up the phone, 336-391-3409. We would look forward to sitting down with you. Now, our trivia question. I'm curious how many people out there got this. So this week's question is, when did the IRS actually start withholding our income taxes from our paychecks? Not when did um, income tax become constitutional, because we learned from the previous week that that was in, from the Tax Revenue Act of 1916. So the current Tax Payment Act of 1943 and before this, we simply paid quarterly or annually. So it was the Tax Payment Act of 1943 that gave the government, Doug, and I didn't even ask you because I just I just knew that you didn't know this one. You're right, so, I didn't. Okay, so I didn't <laughs> want to embarrass you. So um, it, before that, all you did was pay your taxes annually or quarterly. But because of World War II, the government figured out, hey, we need income coming in here regularly. We can't wait till the end of 1944, the end of 1945 to get our taxes and to pay off our soldiers and whatnot. Uh, we've got to get money coming in on a regular basis. So that's when they first started withholding money. So again, 1916, the Tax Revenue Act of 1916, not a great uh, a day for people who are anti-taxers. And the uh, uh, Tax Payment Act of 1943, again, another one not uh, not particularly big for tax people who are anti-taxes. You know, I guess back then the uh, powers that be in politics didn't realize they could just print money if they didn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, maybe they were actually a little bit conscientious at the time uh. of, of deficits. So anyway, so Doug, uh, on our first uh, our first segment there, we talked, uh, we answered a couple more listener questions, and this time here we're going to talk about alternative investments. So as we talk to people and uh, who come in and see us, there are two main typical ingredients 
to an investment portfolio, whether it's a retirement portfolio or something else. That's usually stocks and bonds, and that's through mutual funds. Now, we don't use mutual funds. We went into that in the first segment here. But there is something out there. There's a whole world of other investments called alternative investments. So let's define for a moment what alternative investments are, and then we're going to go into each one, and I'm going to say it and let you uh, um, talk about each of those alternative investments, Doug, because you have much more uh, experience and background in doing your own trading than I do. So how do we define alternative investments for our clients? These are investments that do not fall in that conventional cash income equity categories. These are going to be investments that very well might not be regulated by the SEC, my favorite uh, governmental uh, entity. And there might be <laughs> liquidity concerns in these. So these are your alternative investments. One thing that we need to talk about is, is there more risk or less risk with alternative investments? So we're going to cover that too. And the question we're going to say talk about here is, can alternative investments provide an additional way to achieve diversification in a client's portfolio. So let's look at some of the examples of alternative investments here, Doug. And I want you to share with us what you know about these and where they might have a place in a client's portfolio or even why you'd likely never recommend a client engage in such an investment. We have, uh, starting off with this first one, precious metals. We have seen uh, a couple of clients, and there's one that always sticks in yours in my mind, uh, where a client invested a million dollars in silver mines, that's mm-hmm. an aspect of precious metals, and it, uh, to say the least, it did not work out well for him. Yeah, he turned his a million into two hundred and fifty thousand. Yes, you know, it's hardly a week goes by we don't get asked should should I own gold or silver. Common uh, question. Yeah, very common. I had no problem with he doing that. You know, certainly it, it makes a, a nice hedge against inflation. In moderation. I, in moderation, I I do it. Uh, I do it differently than probably most people do. I buy the old rare coins um, for their numismatic value, but, uh, you know, go out and buy some American gold eagles or Canadian maple leaves or whatever you want to do with it. Uh, don't buy a big old gold bar, though. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be hard to hard, hard to sell. <laughs> hard to sell, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I got no problem with that. You okay. Know? All right. Is there what is the risk like on precious metals? Is it does that fluctuate more than the market does or less? I think it fluctuates more. I mean, gold and silver prices move and they move a lot. They've been, you know, trending upwards this past year or so. It's just a matter of timing it well then. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, but uh, some people think uh you know, silver is going to go to 150 an ounce. I have always correlated with I don't want to get stuck on precious metals too much, but here's a, here's an honest question for you. I have always, when you turn on the talk radio stations, there'll be times where you will hear those ads for buying gold or silver on there nonstop. And then there'll be other times where they're kind of quiet. Can you correlate between the times that you hear those ads that that is not the best time to buy and the times that you don't hear yeah. the ads is a better time to buy? I'm not sure about that. I, I, I think that would take some study. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll put you on the spot there. All right. The next one we're going to talk about is something that we were never asked about 10 years ago, Mm-mm. but we are asked about more and more frequently now, and that's cryptocurrency. Yeah. You know, I guess because uh, Bitcoin's gone well over $50,000 and Elon Musk uh, invested a heavily. billion and a half in it. and Maybe said, that's not heavily for him. It'd be yeah, heavily for me. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and he's saying you can buy a Tesla now with Bitcoin. So, uh, look, I, I, I'm i just going to wave this off because I don't know anything about cryptocurrencies. I, I You can't smell it, touch it, feel it. I just don't 
get it. Yeah, and you know, for that record, my understanding was Warren Buffett uh, has not uh, gone into that, or at least was last time I heard shying away from that heavily, like he was a lot of. Um, internet type of investments. He was just kind of staying away from that. So, mm. you know, cryptocurrency, I don't know what to say about it. I certainly have not invested in it. It's newer on the market and there's still got a lot of uh, humps and hurdles to get through. It's it's done well for people up to this point, but has it reached a side? Uh, time will tell on that. Now, Doug, here's another one that you do have some experience with and a lot of our clients have experience with. And we talked about this as one of our listener questions in the first uh, segment here, real estate. Yeah. You know, it's a great investment for some people. Uh, Long-term real estate investing uh, can work out for you, but at the same time, you're going to have to deal with problems. I had about half a dozen rental properties at one time about 15 years ago, Uh, and thankfully I got rid of them when the market started coming back, and I'll never do long-term rental again. Okay. One of the things that uh, we have recently done is bought a vacation property and done some vacation rentals, and that's been working like a champ. So lots of ways to do uh, rental real estate. I said in the first segment, we got clients down in Charlotte who have amassed 80 different uh, homes as rentals. Their cash flow on a monthly basis is humongous. But at the same time, Audrey's phone rings all the time. So I guess it's up to you and how much hassle you want to put up with. There is something different about real estate that is not with gold or cryptocurrencies or some of these other alternative investments is the tax treatment of real estate. There is some ways to avoid taxes or they can be tax shelters in a sense. And that brings us, Doug, into our segue of talking about our um, seminar that we've got coming up. We had it uh, last Thursday, just a couple nights ago. And then we've got another one coming up this upcoming Tuesday. And we're doing a seminar um, at uh, the Broy Hill Building in Clemens, North Carolina, just outside of Winston-Salem. And it's at 6.30 p.m. this upcoming Tuesday. And uh, we are talking about taxes. Absolutely, talking about taxes. And, you know, they moved the filing date to May 15th now, so you've got plenty of time to come into the workshop. We're going to talk about uh, some interesting strategies you might consider in retirement, and we're also going to talk about what we can expect to see in Biden's tax plans. And unfortunately, it's not a lot of good news in there. Well, tax planning is always uh, a certain uh, level of complication when you are in your 30s and 40s and 50s. Once you are approaching retirement and you have, or in retirement, and you have different forms of income, whether it's social security income, rental income, you might still have earned income. Uh, long-term capital gains, short-term capital gains, all of those are taxed differently. There's a whole bunch of different tax categories. So tax planning in retirement, Doug, is far more complicated and complex and important in doing it right than Mm. it was when you were in your 30s or your 40s. So we're going to cover particularly not just how the tax laws might be changing under the new administration, but how they are different for you in retirement than they are for you pre-retirement. And that's a huge aspect of what we're talking about. So folks, if you've never given taxes too much thought, you just have your earned income and you do your taxes yourself through TurboTax or you stop in Walmart and you have somebody there from one of the uh, tax places doing your taxes for you in 20 minutes, they ask you the standard questions. That is not how taxes should be tackled when you are in retirement, at least for the first couple of years so you can figure out Uh, How much more complicated is this for me? We're going to give you those answers. We're going to talk to you about that. And there's two ways to register. You can give us a call at 336 
391-3409. That's 336-391-3409. You can talk to Joy or Lynn and they'll get you registered. You could also just go onto our website at thewealthguardians.com and um, go to our events tab and click on live events and uh, schedule yourself there. Uh, we do have open seating. You do have to wear a mask, but there is still some availability for that. And Doug, anything else to add before we sign off here? Yeah, I'd like to shout out uh, to uh, Keith and his uh, lovely bride, uh, Michelle. They uh, they retired this past week. Uh, we've been working towards that goal for about the past 10 years. So Good on you guys. Proud of you. All right. Very good. Well, folks, thank you for listening to us. Uh, This is the Wealth Guardians, and we do hope you have a great weekend, and we will catch you right here next weekend as well. Take care.